Welcome to ED ECMO. Welcome to ED ECMO. This is ED ECMO. All right, ED ECMO, this is Zach Shiner, and this month I've decided to switch things up a little bit. We're going to have two mini episodes, and we're going to tackle two topics. The second one is one by Brian Grunau, and we're going to ask the question of when do I transport? So I've got these cardiac arrest patients. Some of them are in VF, some of them are in systole, some of them are in PEA. We know that their quality of resuscitation goes down when they get transported. So when do I make the decision, if I have ECMO available, when do I make the decision to transport? And Brian is going to do that for us. We're going to have a discussion about that. But that is episode number two. Number one is with Velia Marta Antonini. If you know anything about Velia, she is amazing. She is all over the ECMO community. And she is from Italy where they do a lot of organ donation, a lot of organ transplantation using ECMO. And she is very active in the teaching on this subject. So we're going to kind of reiterate a little bit about what we did before earlier this year with Lionel about organ transplantation. And to bring us up to speed, I want you to understand a few things before we get into this interview with with Velia. And that is first, there's a difference between brain donor and circulatory donor. We use the term DCD, donation after circulatory death, for patients that we are talking about heart death cardiac death, not brain death. And that's the kind of the primary patient we're going to look at here with Velia. There's a Maastricht classification for this, which gives you basically the idea that out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, unwitnessed arrest, have a poor prognosis compared to the patient that's in the ICU that you know everything about, that you've already talked with family about, whether they are organ donors. And so this patient is the one that Italy has isolated to. Now, they have an interesting policy compared to the rest of the world, this idea of a prolonged no-touch time. And that's where we're going to start off this interview with Velia. So this no touch time, you said in Italy, you have to wait longer than other places. What are the times that you have to wait? We have to wait for 20 minutes. It's a very long period. It's the longest period in the world. And for this reason that we have so many cases of DCD in Italy, and we are enrolling so many DCD in the last few years because we have so many problems with this so long no touch time. If you live in a country where you need to be need to wait only for two or five minutes, if you live in a country in a country where you could move the patient to the OR before the death, and could withdraw life-sustaining treatment in the OR, maybe you do not need ECMO support after the death for the abdominal organ because uh, you could retrieve organs directly in the OR after a few minutes. Okay, so not... in let's give us an example. What would be France? What would be the United States? Do you know what their no-touch time is? Uh, in the United States, uh, it is really variable from 2 for, uh, to 10 minutes. Uh, in France, it's uh, five, 5 minutes. In the United Kingdom, it's uh, 5 minutes too. So... There is few um, countries in which you have to wait for 10 minutes. The only country which is similar to Italy is Latvia, uh, in which you have to wait for uh, 15 minutes. In no other countries, you have to wait for 20 minutes. Okay, and so the re- part of the reason that you guys have so many numbers out there is that you utilize ECMO 
instead of just taking them to the OR, pronouncing them, and then immediately taking their organs. You do this in the ICU and you put them on support, is that right? Yes, you put the organs on support. We prefer to use uh, uh, ASOR as definition and not ECMO uh, to make a clear distinction uh, from the situation in which you use uh, ECMO to support a patient, to support uh, the life of a patient, and uh, this situation in which you support uh, the function of organs, not a patient. We are not supporting the patient, we are supporting only the organs. All right, so ASER is basically a combination of having mechanical circulatory support and balloon occlusion of the aorta, is that correct? Yes, in our country, yes. Uh, in the, uh, I think in uh, uh, England, they could not use the balloon uh, to occlude the aorta. They need to cross-clamp the aorta, but they could move, move the patient to the OR, so uh, they have no problem with this. We could not move the patient to the OR. We need to, be, to insert uh, the balloon uh, at, the bed of the pa uh, at, the, um, at the bed of the donor in the ICU. Okay, and so the point of the use of the balloon to occlude the aorta is what? Is to avoid mm, the reperfusion of the brain and uh, of the heart following the death for uh, ethical reasons about the brain and about the heart because if you reperfuse the heart up following the death with uh, warm oxygenated blood, you could uh, induce an um, and sort of we call vermiculation, the sort of electrical activity, not uh, real uh, uh, contraction of the heart. So it seems to be unethical, uh, reperfuse uh, the thoracic aorta with warm oxygenated blood. To avoid any potential problem, we, you need to stop completely the flow above the um, diaphragm before starting the um, support uh, in the donor. This is this is all fascinating stuff. So the kind of the take home here is that in in hospital arrests, these patients have better prognosis, or in patients where we know that they're they have bad prognosis overall. In Italy, they have higher numbers mostly because of their laws. But we can also extrapolate this to patients that are out of hospital. What is your opinion, Velia, of taking patients who are in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest and ones that we know have very poor hopes of survival, but putting them on some sort of ECMO in hopes that we could keep their vital organs perfused until we can make a better assessment of both circulatory death as well as brain death? Uh, I think it's really important to try to save this patient, this, try to save at least uh, their organs, uh, because we have so many patients dying um, on the transplantation lists. Uh, so we take more support in the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest or in, the, in hospital cardiac arrest. You could uh, try to save many more people than you could do with uh, normal CPR, and you can, could shift to the ASOR if there is uh, some problems after the ECPR, after the evaluation of the patient uh, after the ECPR. So I think it's really important to um, perform these programs, the ECPR programs, and uh, to link the ECPR programs with DCD programs to try to um, improve the outcome of cardiac arrest, uh, out of hospital and in hospital cardiac arrest, and to expand the donor pool for uh, every case in which uh, you could not save the patient, but at least uh, save uh, their organs and improve the condition of their organs to uh, potentially uh, transplant this organ in uh, a potential uh, recipient. Okay, one last thing here. We, we didn't, we've talked mostly about warm ischemia. How do you utilize cold perfusion 
Normally, you do not use cold perfusion until the transplantation, the transfer of the patient to the OR. Uh, when you transfer the patient to the OR, you open the abdomen and you could choose to take the organs and reperfuse with the cold preservation solution uh, in order to perform the so-called cold static storage the conventional storage of the organs for transplantation, or uh, if you work in a facility where you could use ex vivo reperfusion, you could take the organ and reperfuse with, uh, with warm oxygenated uh, blood or with um, warm oxygenated solution uh, for the lungs. Uh, these organs do uh, improve much more the condition of the potential graft, uh, improve the condition of the potential transplantation. If you use uh, ex vivo uh, warm reperfusion, you could try to retrieve uh, also heart, uh, eventually, and lungs from these uh, donors, not only the splanchnic organs. It's not so easy to add uh, the retrieval of uh, heart and lungs from this patient, from the CD patient, because you need to consider why they undergone cardiac arrest. And because when you reperfuse with a, a warm oxygenated solution, with warm oxygenated blood running azor, the abdomen, you warm with, through the diaphragm also of the thorax. Uh, so if you want to preserve the lungs during azor, you need to do other uh, procedures to um, induce uh, a sort of cold static storage of the lungs while you uh, reperfuse the abdomen with azor. It's not easy. In uh, Italy, we have some groups which are trying to do this. You need to uh, induce a collapse of the lungs at the bed of the patient in the ICU and uh, refuse the thorax with the cold solution to uh, preserve the condition of the lungs. But it's not so easy because uh, in the, uh, the same time you are uh, rewarming the abdomen. So it's not easy, but some groups are uh, working on it, are having kind uh, results, so uh, it's feasible. I, I remember reading, I think it was at one of the AHA conferences about I think it was South Koreans where they were actually occluding the carotid. So they were, it would be like an azer, but only for the brain. Do you, do you have anything like that in Italy? No, not, no. not that, that I know. This is, this is so good. This is so good. So cold perfusion, some combination of this. If we want to take the lungs and the heart, then we've got to do more creative measures. Uh, you could uh, take eventually arts if uh, the cardiac arrest was not due to primary heart dysfunction uh, mm-hmm. in the potential donor. You could uh, take uh, lungs, but you need absolutely to be used with uh, ex vivo reperfusion of heart and lungs uh, to consider uh, a program of harvesting of lungs uh, and heart from the CD donors. All right, so let's do a quick recap of all that Mvelia said and kind of the, the implications of this. I'm going to include a lot of stuff also that, that she said outside of this direct interview just to sort of condense things. But I think the first concept here is that there's a difference between talking about patients that you put on ECMO for their cardiac arrest, for their resuscitation strategy, and then you end up making a decision where you want to go to uh, donation or not. But Velia here, most of this conversation is around patients who have the diagnosis already of cardiac death, or we are thinking that they have cardiac death, and we want to then salvage their organs. And in Italy, they have this law that says you need 20 minutes of downtime. This is kind of born out of the idea that animal studies show that you have 
very little neurologic function after 10 minutes. And in Italy, they say 10, 20 minutes. Um, certainly, there's very little EEG activity after even five minutes in these animal studies. And so that's why the laws are different in each of their respective countries. Now, when you look at what they do, what they do in Italy is they make a decision, they make a determination that they think this patient is going to have circulatory death. They then can actually put in placeholder lines and they can put in the deflated Iser, the aortic balloon occlusion catheter prior to declaring them dead, but they can't put them on ECMO and they can't put in their, their large ECMO lines until they have this no touch time, which is 20 minutes. So during that time, they now have no perfusion to all of the organs, the brain, the heart, the liver and the spleen, the kidneys, everything that they want to take. These things are having now warm ischemia time. They then have to transfer these patients to the operating room where they can then place them on ECMO. They can reperfuse these organs. The cold perfusion can then occur later on if they want to preserve these organs, but they typically use warm perfusion to bring the hypoxic time that these organs have to a minimum. Now the term ISOR has been brought up and that basically refers to regional perfusion, meaning put the aortic balloon up, cross clamp effectively the aorta. Some countries don't recognize a balloon as proper enough to do this. You have to do a surgical cross clamp of the aorta to ensure that blood does not reach the heart or the brain. You also need to ensure that they have adequate sedation during this time, that there is no idea that they would have discomfort. They also have the concern about heparin during this time. They said that uh, you can give heparin pre-no touch time as long as it doesn't contribute to their death. So all these things are sort of details, very important details that can affect the success of ECMO and success of the ultimate organ that you're trying to transplant. Now, just to serve some final considerations for this program, I want you to understand regional perfusion because we could actually do some even more innovative things on alive patients with regional perfusion, meaning that if you could perfuse the splanchnic organs differently than you perfuse the heart, differently than you perfuse the brain, then potentially we could even have better effects of our already VA ECMO for cardiac arrest or for cardiogenic shock. So I want you to imagine a scenario, at least one scenario that you can think about, where maybe the hyperoxia would be detrimental in one place of the body, but maybe beneficial in another part of the body. And so you could actually have regional perfusion of the brain where you keep the oxygen saturation relatively normal. But for some of these, these places where maybe hyperoxia and the regional perfusion is poor, you could actually create a hyperoxygenated state in those places to hopefully improve the perfusion and decrease lactate levels and hopefully increase their chances of survival. Okay, so that's organ transplantation. We're now going to get into Brian Grunau and talk about when do you transport patients. But before we leave this episode, Velia, Marta, Antonini, thank you so very much.